Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. In our digital world today, we are confronted with influences on all different kinds of platforms. In line with this year's church vision, a serving heart, studying Matthew 5, how are we called to be servants and influences at the same time? How are we to impact the world? And what do salt and light have to do with that? Join Hans-Georg Hopprich today, who will continue with our God in the Center preaching series by a sermon titled, Serving as an Influencer. be with you this morning again. And um, as I was sitting here and thinking about uh, the history of uh, Austria, I'm also reminded to some of the flags. I'm collecting flags. So I have got maybe about 50 or 60 or even more flags uh, back home. And uh, I'm. these are only flags with, from countries that we I actually travel to. And uh, flags, they give images of countries um, and uh, of, of things that people in this country are are proud of. So, for instance, um, the flag of Ghana has one uh, bright star, a black star in the very center of the flag. Um, I've traveled um, Afghanistan, and uh, Afghanistan has uh, the confession of uh, Islam in the flag um, well, uh, the country we worked in, uh, Papua New Guinea, in the very center or the image that is used is the bird of paradise because it's so beautiful. And of course, of their historical background, being a colony of Germany, they have also the German uh, colors in, in, in their flag. Um, but I want to draw your attention uh, to the Austrian flag. You know, I'm very proud um, to uh, have that Austrian um, flag with me as a, as a mask. And we've heard several times this morning that we've got a national day tomorrow uh, in, in Austria. Um, it is um, after the Second World War, uh, the Russian troops took over in our country uh, of Austria, and it was on the 26th of October 1955 that the last Russian soldier took off from um, Austria. And this is celebrated tomorrow. Um, once uh, upon a time, maybe about uh, t- uh, 15 years or so ago, we were invited to go to Belgium. And I was supposed to preach about missions, world missions, because that's where my heart is in, yeah, to talk about God's mission into this world. But I was prompted to quite another topic that I wasn't really prepared to. Because I carried, of course, to Belgium, I carried the flag of Austria. You know, this morning I preached a very different sermon. You know what? When you see the images um, of the within the flag of Austria, can you see some uh, very biblical images? Can you see the, the eagle that is very prominent in the flag? And it reminds us that those that are weak uh, are carried by God's strength up uh, sky high. We see red and, of course, uh, white. Um, it reminds us to the blood of Jesus. And uh, when he cleanses us, we are white as snow. There is um, sickle and hammer in it. And there is a broken chain. Well, I need to go on to preach about the Austrian flag. I just want to uh, show it uh, to you because I'm proud to be in heart. I'm proud to be an Austrian. So uh, um, I think it's great to to see this great uh, flag uh, of Austria again. And as people uh, watch us uh, this morning... Uh, all around the, the globe, um, well, there are different flags. Uh, you know, 50 stars in some of the, uh, in the American beautiful flag. 
but I think um, no other flag matches to the Austrian one. Um, uh, I heard some people even saying amen. Well, um, it's great to see and to be reminded to all these images in the Austrian flag. And there may be a time when we preach a sermon according to the Austrian flag. Well, not this morning, because uh, we have a, a very uh, different, uh, but also uh, a very important uh, subject uh, this morning. Influencer was um, the word uh, that uh, when I prepared uh, this uh, sermon, influencer came to my mind because it's used everywhere. Uh, there are so many uh, different kinds of, of influencers in this world. It is said that 3.5 billion people, more than half of the world's population, uh, actually use actively um, social media. And in the, inevitably, these people look to influen uh, influencers in social media to guide them with their uh, decision-making process. Now, what is an influencer? An influencer is someone who has, well, he has the power to affect the purchasing um, decisions of others because of his or her authority, uh, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. Um, a following in a dis he's following he or she is following in a distinct niche uh, with whom he or she actively is engaged. They know a lot about it about this special subject. The size of the following depends on the size of his or her topic, of course, and the specific niche. Um, there are so many different kinds of things. The variety is incredibly, incredibly big. You can separate between um, types of influencers in multiple ways. Some of the most common methods are followed, of course, by those uh, in numbers, by types of content, and, of course, by the, type, the, the level of uh, influence, and thus some have um, put a name on them. There are mega influencers that have millions of followers. There are macro influencers, micro, and, of course, nano influencers. Small numbers. But they have an incredible impact. It doesn't always depend on, on the numbers. It depends on the impact on the specific subjects. There are subject. There are influencers that are bloggers. There are YouTubers, podcasters. And of course, some just uh, posts on social media only. Influencers are also grouped by their level of influence. And of course, within that, you have the celebrities um, that uh, have a, a big name. And uh, But one problem with the celebrities as influencers is if they may lack credibility with a product target audience as for instance, I mean, I'm not um, putting him in a drawer as, for instance, Justin Bieber may highly influential uh, if he recommended a, a type of um, acne cream, but would have little chance of influencing the buying patterns of those looking for a retirement village. He wouldn't make any impact on me, and I'm getting retired um, well, in some level, retired next year because I've turned 65. Um, and uh, celebrities may have many fans. And a gigantic social media followings, 
um, however, it is really debatable exactly how much real influence they hold over those who follow them. This is, of course, different with the key opinion leaders. And I could list, I don't know, dozens of this this morning about these key uh, opinion leaders. Now, I'm not here, and I'm probably not in the position to come up with all these names. These are experts that include journalists, they include um, academics, industry experts, and, of course, uh, professional advisors. There is so much more to be said about influencers, what an influencer actually is. Combining grace, church, vision for this year, um, a serving heart. That is your uh, church vision for this year, the topic for it, and this false sermon, um, this time of the year, God in the very center. Let us find out this morning um, how we can glorify God by influencing the world around us. What drives us to be influencers and whom does God expect to be an influencer? Is there even in contradiction in terms between being an influencer as opposed to being a servant? Well, serving as influencers, that's the topic, the, the headline uh, this morning, and uh, as we've talked several times about servants who are, and, and, and the Bible tells us servants are oftentimes poor in spirit. They need to be gentle. They're merciful and pure in heart. They are wonderful to behold, but... Are they practical? Are they practical? What possible down-to-earth influence can they have in the kind of deprived and dark world the Apostle Paul describes in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 7? And I'm reading from... Um, well, uh, the Living Bible, a paraphrased version, and I'm aware, uh, you know, that's paraphrased. It's not kind of direct Greek, Ger uh, English, or German, but it's paraphrased, but it gives us a kind of better understanding of uh, what the Bible is talking about. And this is, and some people, I want to, I need to excuse myself to use this kind of translation because they may not um, really expect me to read from this translation, but I dare to. So please excuse me. Uh, 2 Timothy um, 3, 1 to 7, Paul writes to Timothy in his last letter in, um, in the New Testament, and he writes, You may as well know this too, Timothy, that in the last days it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be proud of and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient in their parents, uh, ungrateful to them and thoroughly bad. They will be heart-hardened and never give in to others. They will be constant liars and troublemakers and will think nothing of immorality. They will be rough and cruel and sneer at those who try to be good. They will betray their friends. They will be hot-heated, puffed up with pride and prefer good times to worshiping God. They will go to church, yes, 
but they won't really believe anything they hear. Don't be taken in by people like that. They are the kind who craftfully sneak into other people's home and make friendship with silly, sin-burdened women and teach them their new doctrines. Women of that kind are forever following new teachers, but they never understand the truth. What a incredible word of God uh, Paul is um, bringing up certain signs of the last days. That is our real world. This is how it looks like. And we can turn around, um, rectify things, and make it easier, smaller, whatever we like to do. But every day we are confronted with reality. Difficult times. And a humble servant, is he going to make any impact or influence such a violent, dangerous place? How? How can he make a difference? In what way can he make a difference, let alone be an influencer? There are indispensable influences for good. Immediately after the Beatitudes, we've gone through them uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus describes two unique ways the life of a servant affects the world around him. In the center of of course is God. Um, And this underlines the kind of topic you hear the sermons, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, God in the center. So the first um, thing Jesus uh, brings up Jesus says something about the salt of the earth. And you may remember that throughout the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, he repeatedly, Jesus repeatedly uses the plural word of they. They, blessed are those, for they shall inherit. For theirs is the kingdom, for they shall be comforted. Now, in Matthew 5.13, Jesus uses the more pointed you. He gets very personal, you see. First of all, he talks about many, but now, and as we finish this morning, I will go, I will get very personal. Because we don't want to get from here as we came in. There, you know, the word of God transforms us, changes hopefully our mind. Even the changes are too hard. And the older I get, it's harder to change. You are, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus' closest listeners, the fishermen of Galilee, immediately understood that message behind this metaphor. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus made them clear for them, for those that follow the Lord Jesus, a salt was something um, wasn't something in a shiny silver shaker uh, on the dinner table this afternoon. When you use some salt, please remind it to what we've talked about this morning. It was a preservative vital to their way of life. Once they caught a fish, they had to get it to the market. The only way to get it there in the market table condition was to salt it down. 
sold, arrested corruption. It kept fish fresh and edible. Now the world was, uh, was once fresh. This world, a perfect, that's how God created it. It was perfect. An unspoiled garden of uh, delights. Uh, sin contaminated that condition. However, and its corruption influence causes those difficult times that we are in right now. And the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Timothy 3. It is the moral decay. The Rotting selfishness. He puts a name to it. He doesn't cover it up. So often even in Christian circles, they're just covered up. Nobody wants to listen to it. But Paul does not cover up. So Jesus doesn't cover these things up. This is why unsaved humanity is constantly, consistently described throughout the New Testament as perishing, perishing, consistently talking about perishing. We read in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are Perishing. 2 Corinthians 2.15 For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are what? Perishing. 2 Corinthians 4.3 It says, And even if our gospel is wailed, it is wailed for those who are perishing. Salt, but salt is preserving. Do you get my point? The, pre the presence of true servants in this dying world acts as a preserving agent to arrest corruption. Our mercy, gentleness, and purity in heart Restrain godliness from spreading. But let me tell you, there is much more than that. As you may know, salt is also, it creates thirst. It creates thirst in people whose stomach salt. And Jesus, as he says um, in uh, John seven thirty seven to 38, on the last and greatest day of, um, day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Salt create, creates a thirst. A servant's unselfish lifestyle can cause others who are perishing to thirst for Christ as living water. That's what Jesus said here. And we take it as he says, and yet another purpose of salt is, salt is to add flavor. Let me translate this truth in our Christian servant's life. Food without salt is a um, sadly insipid, dull and tasteless and flat, even a sickening thing. It's sickening. Christianity is to life what salt is to food. Christianity lends flavor to life. 
The tragedy is that so often people have connected Christianity with precisely the opposite. They have connected Christianity with that which takes the flavor out of life. I've heard that numerous times. You know, if I become a Christian, how do I feel on the weekend? You know, no party. What is it? Is there any joy left? There should be a sheer sparkle about us as Christians, but too often we are dressed like a mourner on a funeral. Wherever we are, we are to be the salt of the earth. Not just the salt of, um, of Vienna, but the salt of the whole earth. This is why we rejoice in sending people from Austria Every country can rejoice in people, be sent with a gospel message of salt for the earth out in many, many countries in, in this world. We should be a fragrance of joy and diffuse it. To preserve, create thirst and add flavor, these are all wonderful ways. This is how we as servant, servants can solve the world and influence for good. But Jesus goes on and uh, he warns in Matthew 5.13b, if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of by man. A servant and influencer saltiness comes from exemplifying the very qualities of Jesus outlined in the Beatitudes. The more pure in character we become, the stronger our influence. The more we contaminate ourselves with the impurity of the worldly attitudes and action, the less influence and use we will have as salt. And by the way, there's one other important uh, quality with salt. Well, and all of you would know, because it's too obvious we forget all about it, you know. Salt is shaken, not poured. In other words, if you want to be indeed an influencer in the Christian sense, spread yourself out so that you are touching the lives of non-Christians. Often this um, is done by people, uh, they are shaken apart. Do not simply pour yourself into the church and other church-related activities as important they may be. I don't want to downsize this. Please do not misunderstand me. Christians who clump together with other believers, never reaching out into society, become, tend to become pity, kind of smallish, stingy, ungenerous, and thus, you know what? Distasteful. We are the salt of the earth. And then secondly, Jesus points out um, some very important other subject, the light of the world. Again, using the arresting you. Not that, but you. So it's very personal. I mean, I can, I, I, I can point fingers to you, but, um, you know, 
If God does not speak to you, it's not enough just pointing fingers. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the peck measure, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. The basic function, again, we look into the light. Light is to dispel darkness. In the same way as we Christians are to dispel the darkness by reflecting the radiance of Christ. Now, in order for that to happen, our Christ-like character cannot be hidden or limited. Rather, as Jesus goes on to in verse 16, he says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And as they see, it's not hidden away. So often we think we hide it away. But let them see. Let it shine. Let it out. Your Father... And they will glorify, as they see the good works, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. To be a Christian is something which is meant to be seen. It's not meant to be hidden away. Never, ever. And the whole history of Christianity, the Christians made always a difference. Always. In fact, in the beginning, the first three centuries, until the Christians were hiding themselves away, you know, they met in public places, on the marketplace. Everybody could see, you know, with their eyes, who are these Christians? And then when Christianity became kind of a public religion, a, um, a known religion, an accepted religion, they all went into big buildings. They were hiding away. And then Christianity became an institution rather than a light to the world that was shining beyond the building. There can be no such thing as a secret discipleship. For either the secrecy destroys the discipleship or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. Being a Christian... And now I'm repeating myself purposely. Uh, in the end, you might even be fed up with me repeating things again and again. But that's the purpose of what I'm saying. Uh, being a Christian should be visible in the way we treat a shop assistant across the counter. Being a Christian should be visible in the way we order a meal in a restaurant. Being a Christian should be visible in the way we treat our employees. Being a Christian should be visible in the serve our employer. Being a Christian should be visible in the way we play a game this afternoon. Being a Christian should be visible in the way we are driving. And I must confess as a German passport, German heart, I'm Austrian. I'm not always sure whether I'm driving in a Christian manner. But here, visible. Visible in the way we are driving or park our motor car. Being a Christian should be visible in our daily language that we use. Being a Christian should be visible in the literature we read in the ERF. We listen. Well, I'm so proud about ERF Austria. They are doing a great work. We're listening every day to uh, Transworld Radio. For those who do not uh, are not acquainted with uh, ERF, it's uh, the Evangelical Broadcast in Austria, and uh, it's a tremendous uh, way to communicate the gospel through DRB Plus. And we are proud here in Austria to have um, a Christian broadcaster. Um, the evangelical side of it is here in Vienna. 
a Christian should be just as much a Christian in a factory, in a workshop, in the vineyard or farm to speak about my Burgenland people, you know, in the vineyard. Because, of course, you know, when I talk about Burgenland um, in some other countries, they still, you know, they come up with some thoughts about my Burgenland people, you know. They mixed up wine and made a mess out of it. And they still re remember this. But this is exactly what happens if we don't let it out. If the light is covered up by sin, you know, people, they are reminded to it. Misuse of money. Tax. Misuse of tax. Do you know how many people in Austria remember this? It's never forget, forgotten. In some of the organizations that misused money and didn't pay collects, it's still in, in people's mind. And if I would ask Theo, he would come up with one or two organizations, even maybe Christian organizations that didn't pay tax. It's still here. Not here. It's here. We don't want to put finger to it or point finger to it because... It's our task to be visible for the good. You need more examples? Do you need more examples? I could get on how a Christian should be visible. The brightness with which we shine as lights depends on the quality of our good works, not on our words. I, I said work. Not words. As you surely know, surely know, light is not a full blast. Light, silent. If you reflect the kind of good works Jesus has outlined for us in the Beatitudes, few words will be necessary in order for others to see him and glorify our Father. Remember to that. Light gives direction. In the light of your and my example as a Christian, others are able to see the way of the Lord Jesus. Sin is exposed. Truth is revealed. And the narrow way to life is found because of the light you give. You reflect. Still, another function is light is to attract uh, attention. Be assured that living like the Lord Jesus will draw the attention of those around you who are walking in darkness. They cannot help but notice the light that suddenly pierces in the night each time they are around you. Like moths, they will be irresistibly drawn, some to salvation and life. And sadly, others, we need to mention this, some even to a sharp and piercing and bitter rejection of that light for death eternal. It's very, very sad. It breaks my heart to see that happening. May I die to ask you a very personal question in finishing? Because, you know, what, what is it, what makes it, is it a difference as you came in this morning? And what difference will it make as you listen to God's word this morning? Will there be a difference in how the salt is used? The light. You're in my influence. And we go back to influencer because I like that word. Um, it just came to my mind as I got ready. Philip asked me, you know, to give a topic. And then uh, when I read uh, again the topics you were, uh, pe uh, people were preaching about, you know, I thought, you know, influencer is the right word to be used. You're in my influence is and its outcome is sobering. 
Jesus has privileged us with an incredible ability to impact others for good. So what is the right response to such a role? First, you and I. You know, I don't want to point fingers to, to you. I'm also, it's all inclusive. We, we all sit, as in Corona, we all sit in the same boat. Nobody can jump out. And if you're a Christian, you sit in the Christian boat. You cannot jump out. Oh, yes, you can jump out by decision. You and I need to be remember that we are different. Our uniqueness from the world should be as noticeable as salt from decay and light is from darkness. Unfortunately, this great strength of ours is often our greatest weakness. Probably the greatest tragedy of the, a tragedy of the church throughout its long and multicolored history, its constant tendency to conform to the prevailing culture of developing. This is why this famous uh, John Stott, he was a theologian when I was young and British theologian. He um, wrote a commentary about the Beatitudes, Matthew 5 to 7, and he called it a Christian counter-counsel. Very different from the culture that we are living. It's a going against, oftentimes, against the culture. By the way, this was his title, a Christian counter-counsel. You and I need to remember that we are different. Secondly, you and I need a firm commitment of being responsible. Each of us has a responsibility not only to be sold, but also to keep from being contaminated. And we have a responsibility not only to be light, but also to allow His light to shine brightly. And then lastly, you and I should never, ever, because He blocks us totally then, we should never, ever forget that you and I, we are indeed influencer. Whether we want it or not, as Christian, God, the Lord Jesus has made us to, to be influencers. Is it for good or bad? That's your decision. Yes, whether you like it or not, you and I indeed serving as influencer. This was the topic this morning and I hope and it was and is my prayer that we keep up to that challenge. Let's be influencer with Almighty God accomplishing His words through ours who can say what great things He can do with your and my life. Now, if you doubt that, just remember what He did with that handful Palestinian peasants, he called his disciples. Incredible things. He just turned the world upside down. With weak disciples, different kinds of thought, who is the greatest? Who will sit next to God? Can you, can you imagine? These were the kinds of people the Lord Jesus took in his hands. They just used the light. They used the salt image in their life to turn the world upside down. Maybe some of us walk away from here unchanged, which would make me sad. Even though all of us can be, indeed must be sold wherever we find ourselves. This all can start by falling on our knees 
in our workplace, in our kitchen, in our classroom, in our neighborhood, and praying those simple words. Let's do it together. Well, if you come up with the image, we can do it together. Um, Lord, here I am. Use me however you want to. Let's say that together. You know, it's a, a promise. It's a new commitment for you and me. Not a mouth commitment, but a heart commitment. So let's say, let's say that loudly. And, and I hope, you know, this following week, it will become true in your and my life. Lord, Let's say together, you know, even with your mask, it may be not as loud as it should be, but let's put that in our heart and mind. Um, Lord, uh, wow, what a promise, what a promise. Will you make this your prayer concerning the fears of influence God has given to you? Surely, there are different ways you and I might spread the salt of Christ's um, presence in each day. We all must see ourselves as ministers of the gospel. We cannot just simply attend church consuming a religious product. Rather, our whole understanding of ourselves as members of the body of Christ is directed toward being equipped to serve effectively in our vocation, in our community, wherever God has placed you. Too many Christians view of life as if faith in the Lord Jesus is over here in this compartment and the rest of life, work, family, leisure, and everything else is elsewhere. You know, there are two compartments that never match up. They never match up for the same goal. Never. They are separate. Sunday is Sunday and Monday is Monday. Sunday church is church. Family is a different matter. Too many Christians do that. Like a young student who talked to me after church service. I so admire the work that you are doing as a co-worker of Christ. I'm a believer. I wish that I could be a full-time Christian service. I could be in full-time Christian service as you. And then I asked, now, what do you do? Well, this guy said, I'm still in school, he said, I'm finishing up my doctoral thesis, my doctoral work in, a, in nuclear, nuclear biology. I had planned to teach full time. I love it. It's dear to me. But lately I've realized I should uh, do more for the Lord. My parents were missionaries. I'm thinking of going to Brazil as a missionary. You are a tremendous, in a tremendous position to be a missionary right where you are, I said clearly. How many Christians are there who are molecular biologists? University needs people like you. He looked relieved, even excited as it sank. He was a missionary, right where he was. There are thousands of Christians who suffer from this kind of false understanding of the glory of vocation and a parallel kind, never matches, never goes together, uh, a parallel misunderstanding of how God places particular people in a particular places in every arena to be sold and accomplish his preserving and flavoring purposes. Could it be 
And that's a very personal question. Could it be that you are one of the thousands? Have you bought into the lie that says to be involved in ministry, you must earn a theological degree and wear a clerical collar? My friends, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we are indeed salt and light. You already are a co-worker of Christ, an ambassador of for Christ, wherever you go, wherever you do, whatever you do. Do not abandon the privilege and opportunities God has given you right where you are to be a influencer for Christ, for those around you. I want to encourage you again this morning to be salt and light, to use this image in your heart to carry it through this next week, even through your whole life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are amazed the kind of grace you've given to us. You've given us light on our way so that we may only reflect the kind of light you've given to us. Thank you that you strengthen us, that we are reminded even today, this morning, that we are the light of the world. Thank you that you've made us salt of this world, of this earth, and we praise you that we can make a difference. Help us never to forget that we are influencers for the good. And help us, as we are reminded this morning, that we are influencers for the bad, that we may change. That our life may, be, may need another commitment to your work in our heart and mind and spirit. Thank you so much for being with us in our lives, that you are close to us. And thank you for the peace that is beyond understanding, that is with us as we follow in your footsteps. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace is sufficient. It's enough, not only for us, but for the whole world. Thank you for this good gospel for this saving gospel that takes us out of mud and brings us before you in eternity. We praise you and we worship you for who you are. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.